Oh, What's up, Printouts? Welcome back to another episode of Printavo Printouts podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got our co-host, Mr. Stephen Fair, got a Campus Inc. And our very special guest, our very own Matt Marcotte, Matthew Marcotte, aka Marcotte, aka Lil Squeegee, is joining us today, <laughs> hanging out. We are talking about fulfillment. There was a lot of things that was talked about on Clubhouse. I've seen a lot of things about Clubhouse too, of like, I can't join if I'm on Android. I know <laughs> I'm not purposely doing that to exclude you or anybody that's on Android. It's just a new application that got launched that lets you chat and have fun and just talk. I'm sure they'll add Android soon. Bruce, um, why? Okay, you're a developer, we're not. <laughs> this is not a webinar. It's just a fun new thing that popped up that we're giving a go and trying. Bruce, you're a developer, we're not. Like, I know there's not a Printavo Android app. Um, yes. Yet, yet, yet. Yeah. But yeah, my yeah. question is, why from an engineering standpoint is it not just like copy and paste? Like, I've heard this it's, before. Okay, so there is ways to build an app so that it's functional on iPhone and Android probably 80% of the way. And that's what we're doing now as we revamp totally the iPhone and Android application, which is supposed to come out in a couple weeks here. The caveat, though, is that if you build it the way you're supposed to build it, not using this special framework and so on, then you do have to code them separately. And so that's why it's two different code bases. It's literally two different applications. And uh, it takes a lot of time to build another one. And so people will say, okay, if I want to get into one, which one am I going to do? That's what the first Printable app was, right? It was just iPhone because we just built it specifically for using what's called Swift, which is Apple's coding framework. You know, they don't play nice, right? Because it's Apple versus Google. They don't want you to, like, they want you to pick. Anyway. I'm sure we, uh, we have a funny running joke because we hire our students. <laughs> and if the students have green messages, they're just, it's not going to work. Uh, green bubbles, no green bubbles allowed. <laughs> yeah. I, I give people, I give green it bubbles. It does goof things too. up. Yeah. It just, but, you know, but why would Apple want to help the cause? Yeah, they, they would. I, I mean, it's like Blackberry. Remember Blackberry messenger where BBM? it was like the, the WhatsApp of the time. I didn't have a Blackberry, but I saw everybody and you were like, why can't I talk to people? I'm, you know, I got to text them and then they're, they get their red notifications and everything. But yeah, Apple will not, that's proprietary, you know, like Apple's solely them, their, their uh, ecosystem, or if not, you're out of it. Uh, but I anyway, assume someone's got to be building an engine to like build it in one and it makes it for both though. Like someone's got to already working on that you know that's what i mean there's something what's called react native it's a framework uh made by facebook that's what we're using and that's what's putting things on both of uh, our platforms i've never built anything for that so i may be misspeaking a bit here but that's how we're executing it yeah it, it'll make it easier for one person to build it i don't know what clubhouse's team is but anyway clubhouse is awesome though join in it's really what i feel like audio should be when you're hanging out online and it's crazy that it took to 2021 for it to happen but you Bruce, know, i wonder if we could Zoom stream these have done this. i wonder if we could live stream this into our clubhouse as we're recording it oh, shoot That's this is some idea. innovation right there um, yeah. i got innovation I it's cool because it's like it's like howard stern meets podcast meets radio meets like and the audio quality is so crisp and then the weirdest things happen like someone from another side of the world pops into it and starts asking questions and yeah um, we had somebody what was he in bangladesh he's in last time yeah denmark then, also the about the, too. what where was what? that there was a guy from denmark the other day in one of those as well it was mm. super helpful 
And then another Australian shop comes in and starts asking pricing questions. Like, who do I go to for shirts? And we're like, follow anyone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's cool. I think, I think it's exciting. I mean, they are moving at a fast pace, but it's all like all the VC companies are the ones that are the, like are launched, like using it together, which is crazy. Yep. Um, it, and Kanye uh, and Elon. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing is you get some really cool, uh, just business leaders or whoever you follow, just, you know, it will pop in there and just start talking and you can raise your hand and join in their, their chat too. Kind of like when, you know, Twitter first came out too, and you, you're listening to people's thoughts essentially coming straight from them or Instagram from a photo perspective or whatever. But anyway, all good stuff actually went to Max's we recorded a shop tour at Family Industries, which was awesome. Holy crap! I think that may be the nicest shop I've ever been in. I don't. And it's it's weird to even call it a shop now. And I think some of these print shops are getting more in this mindset. I, you guys probably are too at Campus Inc. It's just like we're not a screen printing shop. Like th- they do all kinds of live uh, printing, but now more virtual, but very specific apps online for Amazon or for TikTok for all these different companies plus all this fulfillment plus of course when there are events more live printing in there it it's it's more it reminds me of more of like an ad agency feel than and it's in LA shop. and it's beautiful rub it in we're talking windows i mean the 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 video will drop in in a week or two but yeah i mean the build out you know you got the office upstairs production downstairs ton of space but yeah the natural light the just the vibe and everything that they've created i think is really really cool especially when we tend to just like throw things into a warehouse and just not think about the aesthetics or yeah feel when they we don't have windows in the back of ours we're just in a long barn basically yeah you don't i just realized that you have very colorful walls walls but the lights are good though the the walls got some good lighting right there yeah it's fine but like we have to open the garage otherwise you get like yeah vegasy yeah, don't know what time a little, it is. A little Vegasy. We should pump oxygen in there, to play <laughs> casino music. But uh, mm, I think what's interesting, I follow episode. family. I, I follow family in, uh, industries on Instagram, and they are just like thousands of little boxes going out every day, like thousands of heavy them, fulfillment. Heavy fulfillment, which I think is really interesting because Matt, you know, at your prior job, you guys were doing a disgusting amount of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting into it, and we got murked by it in the holiday season. It's hard. Fulfillment is so hard. It's not really predictable either. Like, you can you can find that if you got a certain customer, it's coming back. That can still be predictable. But if you've got a YouTube customer or a new band or a, a, a new reason to do a store, it's kind of up in the air. You can kind of make guesstimations at previous data, if you have data, to what they're going to actually sell and what you need to plan for and ramp up to. But it can all just change in an instant. You can have something that just hits and all of a sudden you've got 10,000 orders in one night, two nights, and you got to figure out how to ramp up production, get it produced, get it packaged, get, get it ready to go, and then get it all shipped out before you've got 10,000 individual customers emailing you, calling in, being like, where's my package? Where's my package? And everyone's so used to the immediacy of things because of Amazon that you kind of have to deliver that Amazon experience. Otherwise, you're going to have a headache. So, yeah, it's it's a crazy, crazy world right now getting into it. I, I think what's you. interesting <laughs> is these brands, they know that on-demand is out there now. Because what? 
five years ago, these brands bought inventory and they took the inventory risks and they had to go to warehouses and find logistics and whatever. And now they know, I think they're starting to get the hint that our industry is starting to cut into it. And so now it's almost a new expectation is like, oh, you guys just, you know, you can have a store open. Like it's, it's a new thing that just, I feel like is going to just continue rolling through our industry. But I was on a call with uh, Lon yesterday from Graphic Elephant. We were talking about all the things that go into fulfillment that I didn't know. And I was sitting there like reflecting and I'm like, hey, Lon, make sure you talk to them about uh, returns and exchanges, right? Like how do you do returns and exchanges? If you say no and you're printing on behalf of a client and then that customer goes and complains to the client, they're going to turn around and complain to you. And now it's still your problem, right? And I'm just like, wow, this is... This is Amazon story time. Sounds like story time. I mean, I mean, Matt, you guys, what was the big brands that you were doing? Like there was a name, uh, the biggest that they're still working on. There was some some YouTubers, um, that came together and made this thing called Unis Honest. It's like, it was a one year YouTube. So it was like two giant individual YouTubers coming together, making just ridiculous videos, but they overnight had like over a million views on like every single video they did. And that was one where weekly we'd be having to like figure out where to put 10,000 blanks coming in, how to print like four to five locations on each of those blanks and then get them packaged and get them out the door. And yeah, exactly that. You're going to have customers reaching out to the YouTuber, writing on their YouTube, writing on their Instagram, complaining about anything that I got the wrong size. I don't like this or where's my package. And you have to like work on those, those streams of communication to figure out how to not have your customer be like, well, what are you doing? My customers are getting angry, but still, fit the needs of everybody and sometimes it's not something you even did wrong because usps is just super slow you sent it out it's out of your hands but you still have to deliver that you that, that user experience right they're not going to call usps and be like where's this package you have to figure out how to let them know what's going on keep them updated it's it, it, i yeah was impressed with the owner stevie he was always just like the best at being like okay well let's get 20 people tomorrow i was like <laughs> where and he would always the next day be like I got 20 people. What do you need? We need more. I'll get them. And he would just figure out ways to get them in there. We would just show them what to do, how to pick and pack, go through there. Uh, I mean, I brought in automation for things like getting things folded, getting them packaged. When you can automate that, that also helps a lot without having to have extra bodies sitting there folding and packaging. But you still need to have somebody to like pick it, compare it, pack it and put it in the, in the mailer. I think the scary part is like what you talked about is uncertainty. So just to give everyone kind of an update of what we're talking about, we're talking about like running an entire brand on behalf of a client, essentially, or running their whole e-commerce experience. So building them like a merch store that never closes or a Shopify site, handling inventory, handling customer service, handling releases. And when something pops off being ready to do it, it's almost like hot license or hot market printing, like mm-hmm. almost the same way. It's like hot market fulfillment almost. Um, that's That was clever. The thing that scared the crap out of me was like, I run the company with like Adam and my business partner, Jed, and Adam handles all the sales and marketing. And so he was crushing it. I mean, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like Clavio emails. And he's like, when do you want to turn the faucet off? And so I'm seeing thousands of orders coming in every day. So it's like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And then I'm looking and being like, how the hell are we going to get these out? <laughs> and then as it got closer to the holidays, our inbox went berserk. I mean, we're talking, we probably With shipped customers? out eight to 10,000 packages in fourth quarter across 10 brands. I mean, there's probably like 500 to 800 emails, just where's my stuff? Is it coming? What's what's going on with it? I didn't get it yet. It's the wrong size. The post office lost it. People freaking out. 
oh my god you're gonna ruin christmas for me i remember like some of my team was like one day was like in tears and i'm like i like had to step in and do customer service on on behalf of them but it was a shit show like literally it was nuts and it taught us so many things along the way like what that we never accounted for but like matt the things that you're, I'm almost getting PTSD. It was a, it was, it was wait, wait, wait. It was, like, like what are some of the things that you remember that it taught you? You said, let me just put it this way. In the month of December, Adam and I came down to champagne and we probably spent, there was a day we didn't sleep for 72 hours. Just a day. We, handling just 72 hours. we started on a Wednesday. <laughs> and went, and that just shows Saturday. what happened. Yeah. Well, the whole idea was, you know, you want to keep the faucet open. You have all of these issues getting stock, right? So all the champion stocks going out, all the guilt, like you can't get a shirt to save your life. You have all these orders you're fulfilling and you have like people asking, so like, what do you start putting your time into? And so there were day, there were nights where we literally whiteboarded and rebuilt everything. We're like, okay, we have to think of a better way. Like, are we going to cut this every day? Are we going to just purchase inventory? Because the one thing that was really hard to do was to gauge inventory where I was like, okay, guys, go ahead and, and buy some extras of things. And I sent Matt a picture of all the extras we had left over. Yeah. And sure enough, it was like everything we didn't need. And so we probably returned like $25,000 worth of stuff um, just because of our inexperience. What was that restocking fee? I, they were nice to us. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, support, support your reps. They'll support you too. But it was like just that, how to take inventory positions when inventory is unavailable in the country, it was out of stock, right? So how do you gauge that? And then when it comes in, how do you decorate it? Should you heat transfer it? Should you screen print it? We were setting up and tearing down jobs, four color this, like there's only two, whatever, just print it. There was so much just like whatever, just print it. And then once I was getting like word of some like, not QC, but like customers not getting the right things, I like gave everyone like a marker with their name on it and was like you sign off an order i know whose marker has who like like because because we couldn't afford we we didn't want to continue making the same mistakes so like who's checking picking and packing if you have all these temps coming in are they really taking into consideration which carhartt they're using for the fidelt store or the sigma chi store and are they actually checking the right size and if you don't do that right you can burn so many bridges and then to fix uh, that what's what's the cost on on the fix you have to either Say, hey, keep the wrong garment, and I'm going to ship you the right garment. Now I got to lose that garment, or you have to figure out getting them a return label, deal with the return, send it back. It opens up another uh, plethora. Oh of yeah, issues. and so people were sending. So it'd be like, okay, send it back, and then they sent like a mangled package, and you look at it, and it looks like it was. Now what are you doing, right? So um, you give kudos to Amazon <laughs> <laughs> because, like, the, I mean, to it's, scale, you know, yeah, it's crazy. And it just was so, our printing, we weren't even printing that much. I'm curious to see how many units we printed the year before, but all the like bottleneck and issues was just around standardizing fulfillment um, because it is so one-to-one. It literally exponentially makes your shop harder to run. So um, you already brought something up that I've always been kind of curious about. So you gave kudos to Amazon, right? Now, Amazon's already got like different fulfillment options that you can choose to do. You also at the top of the, the call talked about how the bigger companies are seeing more of the medium size and, and medium to large shops get into legitimate fulfillment. So when does Amazon just step in and say, hey, we're going to just put more fulfillment warehouses everywhere and Steven just print the garments and drop them off in the boxes and we'll take it from there. And I'd be totally happens, down for that. Well, that's what they, 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 they technically have that, but you have to purchase it through them though. 
Right. It's so fulfilled it's, but, by but, Amazon. But when do they right? change but, that model to say, hey, screw it, because a lot of people are doing it and they want they do it better. And fulfillment they as a service. Too. Yeah. I mean, that's what ShipBob does and all those three PLs. The issue, I think, is the speed to print. As decorators, we get to cut off the inventory risk. That's a selling point that we have, right? I can order shirts today. They can be here by tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. We can print them and ship them. If we worked with Amazon, we would have to bring stuff in, print it here, then ship it to them. Then it has to get picked and packed over there, and then it gets sent out. But that's but where a lot happens... of shops pivot to, though, is holding the inventory, it seems, to But who in takes stock the inventory chart? risks, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple shops that we've talked to or, or talked about on Facebook where they do print it. They bill the customer, but they're just doing all the work for them. So they've already prepaid almost for what they guesstimate is going to be the the order volume, then they charge them to hold it. And then, uh, but I think the problem is the world is realizing print on demand is a thing. And these brands no longer want to take any inventory positions or pre buys. So like, I'll give you an example. We work with a couple TikTok stars. They're 19 years old. Their TikToks are great. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Matt's shaking his head. <laughs> it's awful. It's You're a TikTok star now too, Matt. I hope they're not listening to this. I've had to talk to like check out at Printavo on TikTok to uh, yeah. So they have they have two million followers, right? They want to launch their brand. It's either us or Teespring, right? So we're gonna build them a Shopify because we know we have it. We're gonna give them a marketing plan, let them know they need to go on live and push it and do this and this and this. If I say, hey TikTok star, I need you to actually spend two thousand dollars with me to actually get inventory, like they won't do it. They'll be like. Yeah, we'll just go somewhere else or we'll just use Teespring. They these influencers or these brands, they don't they don't this is how they're making money. So unless you're a massive brand that you're holding inventory for and they know what like fulfillment's gonna look like, none of these newer brands really wanna take much risk. I think that's the problem is you have to pad in so many services to make sure that you're like hedging because if you just continue saying yes to it like yeah we'll build you a shopify yeah we'll do your customer service yeah we'll do your returns and exchanges too it, it's like a whole side of a company you're building and you don't even realize it and you've got to like yeah. make up for the failures with these the ones that succeed so you got to price out for what it's going to look like to get the inventory print the inventory pay your people to print the inventory hold the inventory fulfill the inventory but you also need to price it in for the other other jobs you do that for that maybe aren't successful too, because you have to have a net positive at the end of all that. So you've got to figure out how to price out and, like I said, hedge hedge your bets kind of on on what the expectations are. But you're exactly right; they're not going to want to say, uh, "Yeah, let me go ahead and pay up front." They're saying, "I'm I'm the product. You're doing something and making money off of me as the product." So no, you get me as the upfront payment. You don't get actual payment. You get a chunk on the end when you do your job, which yeah makes it a lot more complex than I think the models that we're used to, where it was a lot easier to say like, Hey, yeah, I'll do fulfillment. I'm going to charge you for all the printing up front. And then every time I fulfill, I'm going to charge you $2, $3, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. That model's but, starting to really die off. But the, I think what's interesting, we were on clubhouse talking about this and uh, we actually, we terminated a, con a, a customer that was not working for us, like a huge customer actually. But shops were like, wait, you're saying you don't even have like, you don't have any, any fees or whatever and I'm like no like that's we we are privileged to do it for them and when we were pitching to them we're just like we'll handle all of this so that you you just give us the opportunity and and be the vehicle and we'll be your back end 
And so when we were getting into it, we basically waived all of those fees, everything. Do you um, now? And it, what? Do you do that now? No, not anymore. But like last spring, when we were super desperate, Adam and I went to the drawing boards and I was like, what can we do? Because we lost like the marathon order. And I was like, let's just say we're going to build their stores for free. Like their whole Shopify's. And they're like, yeah, dude, what, what, what else are we going to do? Like these people don't have money either. They're desperate. We're talented at whatever building websites. It turned into a million dollars in sales at the end of the day. But Ooh. shops will come out there and say, shops will come out there and say, you're nuts for doing that for free. Like you're whoring out or whatever. But I think you have But to it was because... March 2020. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like, yeah, we, we you know, I like to say it's like we jumped out of, out of a plane and, and tried to put our parachute on before we hit the ground. Like... <laughs> And now I mean, look, when we look, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, I was going to say, now up. that we're on the other side of it, we can breathe a little bit and we could say, okay, this is how much we're getting. These are how we should standardize this, this, and this. But if you don't fly by the seat of your pants and take that risk, see ya, like you're going to become extinct. Yeah. So question on, on that, when you're building, so let's go back to March, 2020, when you were like, Hey, we're going to waive the cost on that. Well, what happens if someone just kind of like, died off like they didn't actually do any of the marketing and now you're sitting on maybe it's a couple hundred shirts maybe it's a thousand shirts that you don't have any sales for and now you're sitting on them and you told them up front that you were going to cover the cost uh, what do you do then so we we actually got i had a lawyer involved to write up some contracts for me to make master services agreement that were at yeah. least one year long and that had mutual expectations and engagements and we had a template because we had done this for another company you know another organization we said look in, in order for this to work you guys are going to have to hold up your end of the bargain and help market this. And by marketing, it means I want you guys to push it here, here, and here, and we'll help you. We'll make the assets for you and everything. On our side of it, we're going to get the store ready for you. We're going to pad in some inventory. It's probably going to be five to $10,000. We're even going to bring Jeff in to shoot all the photos. We're going to make you a launch video. We're going to just like be your vehicle right now. If it crashes and burns, I'm probably out a little bit of money, but if it does well, then it then it takes off. I think now, the if, biggest... if they didn't hold up their, their end of the bargain, was there a different milestone that they had to say, okay, if I don't hold it at this milestone, I have to actually pay you X, right? Correct. Next so milestone, I'm going to pay you Y. That's what we did. In our initial pitch, we gave them monthly fees. And then when we were getting desperate, we're like, okay, we'll waive them. But these are what we'd like to see as benchmarks. And we actually did it in in-kind. Like for every $50,000 of sales you do, we'll give you $1,000 of in-kind, whatever, right? Just things like that that could help and complement them. But I think what it did in the long term is it cemented our relationship with these clients. We only have a dozen or so, but they're in my Slack channel. I text with all of them. We do their wholesale, we do their retail. It's a partnership and we're making them money. So like they are part of our team now. Um, and I tell our team, it's ours to lose. But Bruce, to your point, it's agency work. It's not, printing is like, this much of it and i know this calls about fulfillment but it's it's more like agency work um at the end of the day so yeah it's been eye-opening for adam and i for sure to try and pull it off or i think other shops are dealing with it too just even in online stores like how do we bag and tag an online store properly like bruce what do you see because you guys launched merch a couple years ago i remember the day what what do you see in the terms of like online stores being built like you you can see kind of the, the numbers 
do you see the tidal wave happening? It's growing. You know what I see though, honestly, is uh, there's still a lot of people that have not dove into stores or just fulfillment at all yet. Because historically, right, like when the economy was going very well and everything was very smooth, you, you just get jobs everywhere, right? Like your aunt asks you for this for their, their school, they, uh, things just come in and, you know, you didn't have to get into stores. I think that all changed last year where all of that dried up because there's nobody getting together. There's no paid events or anything like that. But this is why we keep pushing is like, you have to get into this stuff. Like you have to learn it. And it's not, it's not that crazy. Like you've learned more difficult things like driving a car or, or like uh, how to screen print, right? Like that's way more difficult than putting together a store and picking the right customer and, and printing it up and shipping it to them, at least for getting the first few. Now you're obviously way on a higher scale, and longer term, but for somebody to run a couple stores a month for people and just and keep learning from it, I just think shops have to get into it. Now, that this kind of brings up that whole commoditization aspect, which we talked a little bit about too, where do you see uh, people undercut each other price-wise to, to be able to gain that job? I don't know. Have you seen that, Steve, with any of your customers yet? It's like price does not matter when you're giving a retail experience on behalf of your clients because the client is not the one like in a wholesale world everything's b2b right whatever it's your bachelor party bruce you're buying all the shirts you're going to negotiate with me right and then you're going to give the shirts to, to whatever your friends but if i build you a store which don't build an online store for a bachelor party because you'll sell eight um <laughs> you don't care what it costs you're like hey guys here's the link it's 20 bucks all right. Yeah. Hey, everyone, it's 20 And the bucks. end customer doesn't care either. They're, they're and not it's the wholesale fear of missing thinking. out, right? It's yeah. FOMO. Mm -hmm. So actually, online stores, price is, is and, and I was working on this with a couple of shops, and Matt, you probably see this. Like People are like, well, how should I price an online store? Do I give bulk discounts? No, you can maybe kick back if the store does well, but you are a retailer. Like, imagine you setting up a store in your, in your parking lot. You're taking all of the risk. Um, and you're handling the backside of picking, packing it, bagging and tagging it. What if your employee messes up one? Things like that. Mm. So, how do prices... you? Is it, what is it like? Is it priced on a 24 shirt order to get started? I, you know, I'm sure it depends on the size of the customer and so on. But I think it definitely varies across like what you're actually doing. If you're using merch to do like a a club team, yeah, yes. 20, 20, 25 bucks for every shirt, no brainer. Now, if you had someone say, hey. I want shirts this little league. I want you to print 24 of them. They're going to haggle you. As soon as you bring in the, the merch solution and be like, yeah, go to this website, have everybody order it. It's all done for you. They're yeah. going to, they're going to forget about the price of the shirt. They're like, look at this experience. So You're in right. my experience, you actually make more money printing from that, that model. That same thing goes when you scale to be much larger. When I'm doing 10,000 every two weeks for one YouTube client, Versus when I'm just doing a standard 10,000 business to business or contract order, I'm fighting for pennies on the contract for 10,000 pieces, which is what usually sustains larger shops. Once you bring in, now you have to uh, account for the, the labor, the storage, all those things. But once you extrapolate all those costs, you tend to still be making more on that production than you were if you were doing standard contract work that's at that level. So across the gamut, when you scale or, or lower or higher, it tends to usually be a little bit more profitable at the printing 
aspect regardless. Yeah, you have to be really careful not to try and give too many discounts because online stores sometimes also like they don't do as well if you don't market them or the customer doesn't know how to sell them properly too. Like they have to go out there and promote it for you. So we always assume and, and people are like, how do you price online stores? And it's just like based on your track record, like how easy are you to work with? What's the risk associated to it? And when I, I just met with an influencer earlier this week and their manager, right? Because, you know, influencers have managers when they're 20 years old. And they're like, well, we want to make the, the most amount of money and we want, we want, what's the margin going to be? And I said, the margin's nothing until you prove to me that you know how, that you can sell. Because right now we're, we're going to assume you've sold zero. And I said, you have to test out the waters and prove it to me. And as we do it and we get better, we'll get you more money. And so, so I, go ahead, Adam, or go ahead, Bruce. Well, right. with, that, with that de-risking, does that mean that you also can potentially help yourself by stocking pre-printed goods? Or no, is it always printing more on demand? Because I see this go back and forth a lot, depend, very customer dependent though. So I think it goes to the point of there's two types of online stores, right? There are pre-order online stores and they're rolling online stores, right? I think our industry, and if they haven't already figured out pre-order online stores, you're late to the game, right? Like there's, there's the fair warning, like writing on the wall. If you don't know how to run an online store with a pre-order where you cut the, you close the store, you order the stuff, you print it, pack it and ship it. That's almost now elementary. Yeah, right? call me right now. Let's get you started. You're behind. You're behind times on that. Yeah, one. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, it's 2021, y'all. 2020 fun. Um, the rolling thing is really hard, right? And that's where you start hedging. Am I going to use my DTG, right? So I was talking to a shop that goes, well, I want to get the DTG so I can fulfill on demand when we can't screen print. And then we we're saying, well, don't do that. DTG and screen print are not the same thing. And so now you're seeing this huge wave into into the DTF and the the super colors. So I'll hold, I'll hold transfers on the shelf, but I won't hold inventory because I can hold a $2 transfer. That's not going to, that's not, I'm not going to break the bank there. So it's all like hedging, hedging that risk. And I know we're not in stocks, but like, you know, the, the, we're, we're kind of playing with fire when we're doing this. I think I there's know. also a model to be discussed there too. And I, I've worked with some shops that do different amounts of fulfillment. So the shop that I was at was all uh, screen printing. They're getting, they got a digital squeegee. They're going to start working on hybrid. But I think there's a model we built too. I think there's a, a way to say, look, this is the quality that we prefer, screen printing. Here's a different quality of DTG. And then the prices is different, right? You can say, if you want it to be this, I have to print larger amounts. I have to hold inventory. I have to do something. Or I can actually just print and fulfill every single order as they pipe through, but it's going to be this other quality, right? And I think that the majority of the customers out there, they're not going to care. They don't really, like, we get held up on this whole DTG, DTF, screen print, hybrid, because we're nerds for it. I think most actual end users, they don't care. They just want to feel included. They just want to have that, that piece of that pie to feel like they're a part of it. Uh, especially now when, like, the only way to feel like you're a part of something is to have something because you can't go actually be a part of something. So I think that a lot of people, a lot of shops I'm listening to, like on Clubhouse or wherever, they're still so anti-DTG. And... I don't really love DTG to be honest. I don't love how it feels. I, I, I'm just a, a truest when it comes to printing, but I see a, a very big value in offering that to a customer who maybe doesn't care about the quality as much or the and wants the feel. speed and they just want but, the speed, but it also takes risk off of you doing it. Right. But I would also warn not to go out and buy a DTG for $15,000 cause it's three to 400 bucks a month to just keep that thing tanked with ink. 
something that we've started to do, um, and this is like what Kevin Oakley at Stokedown is doing, is partnering with print-on-demand companies that are set up for this, right? So Printful is the big one in the world, but like Kevin at Stokedown and Jeff at Redwall, you can key into them and put products on your site so that they can DTG it on their brothers with a limited like variety of stuff, but then you take no risk and you just make a little bit on it and it's like out of sight, out of mind, right? So I think it's also important to find partners that are going to do that for you and realize like, if you're not set up for it, don't just go buy, 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 you know? Because mm -hmm. that is also a scary thing that I'm starting to see too. Like people are buying these DTF printers or whatever from China. Yeah, if you're set up for it, maybe, but like Supercolor is good for a reason, you know, uh, and FM is good for a reason, right? So I don't know. Do you see that, Matt? Yeah, and I, I the DTF thing is I'm I'm intrigued by it. Supercolor is not just a straight DTF. Like what they, what they do is, is is their own, and it shows in the quality. The DTFs that I've seen, I'd prefer DTG quality over most DTFs that I'm seeing. Uh, and same thing, it's not as easy as people think. The inks can still get clogged up, so it, it kind of falls into like what you see every couple of years, like the new fad in the industry. I never like to be the the alpha or beta tester for any new fad. I want to wait until it's actually shown validity in the marketplace. So I think the DTF concept is awesome and could be game changing. Like if they can make a good DTF and you don't have to worry about actually stocking a super color transfer and you can just print them out as you need, that's huge. But I just don't think it's 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 quite there yet. I don't I don't quite trust that process to be uh, at the same caliber of other decoration methods quite yet. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things to consider for shops, and having a having a game plan is really important. But like, not being afraid of it is also important, right? Because I think what we're gonna see, like we were looking at February numbers, and they're definitely still slower than last year, right? Like Bruce, you even saw like on the curves of, of, of how business is doing. I'm yeah, not February completely, I'm not completely certain that things are going to explode the same way because it, it's going to take us to go to our customers and reignite them, right? Like it's, it's going to take some reactivation. It's obviously going to be like e-commerce driven, right? And so the question is going to be when you go and talk to a company this summer, they're going to ask you, well, can we ship to our employees' homes that work from home or can we do pickup at the office? You better be set up for that, right? So I, I think like the landscape of our industry has changed a ton in the last year and it forced us to move very quickly for this little revolution that we're going through. So yeah, heavy stuff. <laughs> what about getting started for people that are, again, just poking into it? What are a couple things you guys would recommend? Do this, don't do this. Where does, I mean, you get, know. get on to plug Printavo merch, right? If you, if show you show the shirt, Matt. You go there it is this is an exclusive black printavo shirt white ink texturized mm, yeah I don't, <laughs> I don't like i don't look good in blue um wait no, how but, did you get that bobble is that the one that justin lawrence drew on no no i've started doing that on all the ones i send out and this new thing i'm going to start doing is putting your cell phone number on the bottom if you sign up for printavo merge in the next 24 hours, I will put Bruce's cell phone number on the back of this and ship this to you. <laughs> that is 24-7 support. Mm. That is good. He's it's 312 824-24-7 <laughs> support. And we got to bring those to, uh, to the next trade show. 
Wait, I'm getting hit up. Someone, someone just sent me. Um, Nick from uh, Machine Gun Graphics just sent me the funniest text. It was like the the uh, the Dave Chappelle scratching their face. Like, can I get some more of those bruises? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, like, I still can't believe you got 500 ordered from China. I would not recommend that vendor. Let alone um, go through the. I mean, seeing the photos of somebody make those one by one and paint them. That's fulfillment, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay, hold on. I'm I'm digressing. Full here. circle, nicely done. <laughs> yeah. Okay, first first few tips, because Stephen, you really you really uh, completely up the level of Campus Inc. with stores and fulfillment. Going back when you started, you've learned, I'm sure, a ton. A couple things for people getting into it. Totally. So start start small and simple with an easy online store um, and make sure you have a winning customer that's going to be a good fit for it, right? So Printavo merch is obviously great. Squarespace sites, you know, not Printavo's uh, competition, um, but setting up a very simple store to start and just get the ball rolling is an easy way to just offer it to a few customers that you know are going to be winning customers. So a PTA or a football team. That's step one is find a couple winning customers that you know are going to be just like great to work with. The second is to make sure that you're not overdoing it on the store. Customers are going to hit you with, I want 25 products. And you're going to say, nope, you know, we're going to still have to print 24 per design. So Luke made an amazing guide for how to run an online store where it goes through how you should create rules for your customers. But in your first couple stores, four or five products max, right? Mm -hmm. Try to keep the design exactly the same. Don't go crazy with it whatsoever. And then finally, keep the store open for only a couple weeks. Nothing crazy. Don't keep it open for a month. Don't think you're going to go to 365 fulfillment if you've never run a merch store. Keep that store open for two weeks and make sure your customers know how to market it. Posting it on Facebook is not marketing it. That, that's marketing for like one hour, right? Emails are marketing. So if they don't have the email, if they're not going to blast out an email, ask for all their emails for their members so you can send the email out. And, and just like through the process, cement the relationship and build trust, not worry and fear, right? And so you know, make sure your customer knows up front, look, if something doesn't hit minimums, we're going to refund it, just so you know. I'm gonna send you an update two days before the store closes to let you know how the store is doing. There's gonna be no late orders that I can accept. And just like being a little vulnerable with your customer too is okay and letting them know the pain points you're going through, it's okay, it's okay. And by doing those little things, you just start to have small wins, small wins, small wins. And then when you go to fulfill it, there's like SOPs that Printavo has put out. I have a video that's like eight steps to fulfill an online store follow those eight to a T and you're fine. Right. There's some gold in that video, by the way, we'll drop a link. Yeah. So we've made every mistake in the book with fulfillment, every mistake you can think of, we've made it. And so every rule that we have, like it's very dialed for a reason now. And when a mistake happens, you know exactly where the, where the, where the hiccup was. So, you know, I think the other cool part that shops might not realize in fulfillment is there's so much one-to-one, right? Like if I get to sell for your bachelor party, Bruce, and run an online store, I have eight contacts that I can message to sell merch to. So you're building a massive snowball. I think in the last, we looked at our Stripe data from merch alone, it was like 70,000 unique customers in the last like three or four years just not even Shopify related. And if we were to look at how many bulk orders we did every year, I don't know, a couple thousand, right? So it just like, it builds this massive, massive net for you to, 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 to you know, to cast. 
those are my fulfillment tips for online stores. Love it. The only tip I would give when it comes to, when it comes to a, a, a shop getting into it, you're going to have someone say, Hey, I don't want it to be a time store. I want it to be a permanently open store. And you're going to, you're going to want to say yes to them. So I would suggest saying yes, but framing it correctly and setting yourself up for baby steps towards success. Don't try to jump into a Campus Inc. model. You will fail. Start off simple. Don't do things like save screens, right? Try to offer one color jobs. If it's going to be a permanently open store, fine. One color, four, five, six items. Make screen printed heat transfers. Super cheap, easy to do. You do it in-house, right? You burn your screens, you, you print them, you put the transfer powder on them, you put them on the shelf. And that way, as orders come in, you can just order the blanks every two, three days that you have to fulfill. You heat press them, you tag them, you bag them, they go. Don't get into trying to do two, three, four, five color designs constantly. Or frame it to the customer of, hey, every two weeks I'm going to fulfill, but I have to have at least 12 every two weeks. Otherwise, I'm not going to fulfill. And you got to make sure the customer knows that their customers are going to have to wait unless they can help stimulate those sales. So like Steven said, framing what the expectations are and then helping them along the way. The biggest thing I see with merch users is that they don't know how to market and they don't know that their customers don't know how to market. They think just making a store is the magic sauce and they're done. That, that does nothing, right? You, that's just one small step toward the success. So engaging with them, uh, using things like QR codes and making flyers for them, like making mailers, making email campaigns for them, anything you can do, and you can start to charge that. I've seen a lot of shops start putting together uh, merch store and they'll put like 50 or $100 startup fee on there. And people are like, yeah, that makes sense, cool. And then you're actually getting a little, little egg, nest egg for that to spend your time building that out and learning while you're going while getting paid to learn and then building that relationship with that customer to then expand upon it. So don't be scared to make a, a continued rolling store. Just make sure that you baby step into it, understand the parameters, set them up for success because the last thing you want to do is have to say, hey, I'm not sending any of your customers anything because you didn't meet my minimums and they didn't feel empowered to find a way to actually make those minimums get met. So just set them up for success, know the parameters, but don't be afraid to try something new. It is 21 years into 2020, or 20, the 2000s, right? Uh, Steven said that like last week, and it really stuck with me. We're 21 years into the 21st century. Like it's time to I think that's Nick. He's, he's, the cons- he's the conspiracist. Right, yeah, <laughs> but, but it's true. Like the, the time is, is already passed. Like you gotta jump on. This has been awesome. You guys can be able to join in by clicking down the link below. Don't forget to link and subscribe. Comment back if you've been having trouble with your fulfillment as well. We'd love to be able to have you on. Maybe we could do a little consulting session, a little call-in. A little call-in session? Yes. Call-in with your fulfillment uh, hey Bruce, woes? Uh, I'm having a problem with... Uh... You're starting to get marriage problems too and stuff. <laughs> hey, thanks for, uh, and thanks then, for tuning uh, in. Five shirt quotes. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to Printout with Pernosos Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.